the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. But why is the church so important? And why is it so important for you to even be exposed to this? Why do, a, why do a series on this? Listen, most Christians are not well-versed in the church. I dare say that many churches never even teach on the church. So why is it important? What's so important about the church? I wonder if a lot of us have ever even thought about this question, let alone thought about the answer. Many people go religiously without ever thinking very much about why. There is a lot of confusion about the church in our world today. You can find just about every version of what a church could be if you look around. It's no wonder people are so confused. This new series about the church is designed to clear up the confusion based upon what the Bible says about the church. This is Verse by Verse Radio. We're so grateful that you have decided to listen with us today. We're beginning a new study today, so you are getting started with us as we look at the church according to the New Testament not according to the denomination, the government, or the popular culture, but according to God's blueprint for what he wants the church to be, the New Testament. Verse by Verse Radio desires to teach the Bible clearly and systematically. This is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We would love to have you come visit us sometime. You can find the service times and directions on our church website, lakesidechapel, all one word, dot com. Our address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, or to get more information, call us at 727-441-1714. Our church is founded on the clear and consistent teaching of God's Word to all ages. I'll be back at the end of the broadcast to give you more information about some resources that you will definitely want to take advantage of. Until then, here's Pastor Steve with today's message from God's Word. When I became the pastor teacher of Lakeside nearly 30 years ago, it's a time of transition for our church, a time of excitement, but also a time of transition. Having recently lost our senior pastor of many years, Lakeside had come through a difficult period of uncertainty as to the direction of our church. So when I was chosen to be the pastor, the church was relieved to finally settle upon a man to fill the pulpit. But there are also some concerns about me. I was young. I was 28 years old. I was inexperienced in ministry. Now, I had been on the staff of Lakeside for several years, but had never been the one responsible for the overall direction and then key leadership of the church. But it wasn't just my age and inexperience that caused concern. There were some in our congregation who felt a little bit uneasy about me because of some of the radical-sounding beliefs I had about how a local church should function. See, I'd been teaching 
that a local church should look solely to the New Testament and not to our culture and not to tradition to determine its philosophy and approach to ministry. So I had begun to teach certain things that sounded foreign to many back then, sounded, sounded new, foreign. For example, I taught that the church should be led by a group of elders who were all pastors and that no one elder was to have more authority than any other elder. In other words, I said the New Testament model for church leadership is a plurality of elders rather than a senior pastor over a group of men called deacons. I said, as you search through the book of Acts, you see that as the pattern that emerges in the early church. When you look at the New Testament letters, you see the teaching to be just that. And what's more, I taught that these elders should be only chosen on the basis of godly character and the call of the Lord upon their lives, and that no one should or would be selected to become an elder because he had been in the church a long time or because he held a prestigious position in the community or he was a good businessman or had lots of money. I said, those things are irrelevant. Elders, I taught, should be chosen only if they were spiritually qualified to the standards, according to the standards set down by Paul in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. Another radical belief I held to was that Sunday mornings and evenings should be given over to the verse-by-verse teaching of the Bible. I said that we would start with a book of the Bible and we would work our way through that book slowly, methodically, and thoroughly, and I said that was the best way to help Christians to grow and mature in their faith. You see, what was so different and distinct about this approach was the emphasis wasn't on trying to increase attendance on Sundays, but rather, rather it was to help Christians to grow in their faith. Another foreign-sounding concept that I emphasized in those days, at least foreign-sounding to some, was the teaching that tithing, tithing was not a command for us today. I taught that weekly offerings were to be solely love offerings and that the tithe was really an Old Testament command, a requirement, a taxation, if you will. And it wasn't just 10% in the Old Testament. It was closer to 30%. They had three tithes that they were to give. So I taught that weekly offerings were to be love offerings based on our response to God's grace in our lives rather than a binding law of a 10% Rule. I said that based on what Paul taught in the New Testament, specifically 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that the percentage or the amount of our income that we were to give on Sundays to support the church and its ministries was to be determined by us based on how God had prospered us. If he prospers you more, then you give more. If he prospers you less, then you give less. Another extremist-sounding thing that I did in those days was to institute the practice of church discipline in which unrepentant, sinning members were removed from the church. And so based on what Jesus said in Matthew 18, we began to confront those in our church who deviated from the clear commands of Scripture, and if they refused to repent, then we publicly, at a communion service, announced their names to the congregation, and then put them out of the church. So 
those were just some of the things that I taught about the church that caused some concern amongst some at Lakeside when I was chosen as pastor. And I understand those concerns. I understand why some of our people in those early days of my ministry had apprehensions about me and what I taught. It's because they had never been a part of a local church that tried to function like the churches that they read about in the New Testament. In other words, they had never seen a church in the modern era, in a modern culture, try to live and function like a first century church. And they just weren't sure that it could be done. They had never seen it. Some had never been taught this, and they didn't know if it could be done. But I was convinced with all of my heart that it could be done because this is what the Bible teaches. And so for the last 30 years, this is the way we have endeavored to try to function here at Lakeside. And I want you to know that in the early days of my ministry, in spite of of, uh, some concerns, the congregation, for the most part, did rally behind their young and inexperienced new pastor, and they did embrace the things that they were hearing me teach about the church. And those who were here at the time, and there are not many left, there are about, I've counted, at least in my mind, about 25 folks who were here when I started, but those who were here at the time had the joy of seeing those radical New Testament principles put into action and work because they're biblical. In spite of the fact that God was doing some wonderful things back in those early days, I want you to know that those first few years that I was pastor here were were rather difficult years. They were not easy years. Some people left the church because they didn't like what they were being taught. And when I said there are about 25 who still remain, some of the, not everybody left. Some went home to be with the Lord over, over the years. But some did leave the church because they didn't like what they were being taught. In fact, some were opposed to the very foundation of our ministry here, which is verse-by-verse exposition. And they, they, and they not only didn't like that approach, they certainly did not appreciate 50 to 55-minute sermons on Sunday mornings. Now, the first service laughed when I said that. You know, there's a different dynamic here. I was going to ask you why you're laughing, but you really, you really didn't unless I said that. But anyway, some, some were opposed. In fact, some just didn't stand for it. They weren't going to be in a place where they taught for so long. And so some left and some who decided to stay were critical of me and the rest of of the elders. But although those were challenging years, they really were good years. So I look back and this week has forced me to look back. I say that those were very beneficial years to me, at least personally, because all the opposition that I received forced me to constantly remind myself of what I believed, and especially about what I believed concerning the church. And so those years of resistance to some of what I believe are the core New Testament principles about the church caused me to fight for what I believed was the truth about how a local church was supposed to function. And those battles helped me to formulate convictions about what I believe the scriptures teach concerning the local church. Do you know what? Now that I've been in the ministry so many years, and I started out as the youngest elder, I am now the oldest elder. But now that I've been in the ministry so many years, and those battles are a distant memory, I really did have to concentrate and think back this week about some of those battles because they have been long gone. 
But I also realize that most of you were not here at Lakeside when those battles were raging. In fact, the sobering truth is that many of you weren't even born when I became the pastor of this church. And so some of those biblical teachings that helped to develop Lakeside into the the church that it is today are not even known by many and perhaps even most of you. But starting today, I want to share with you for several weeks, at least for several weeks, some of the basic principles of what the New Testament teaches about the church, especially about how a local church is supposed to function based on Scripture. And my purpose in teaching on this is twofold. I have two purposes. Number one, I want to help each of us understand why the church is so important. Because I I want each of us to appreciate the Lord's plan in instituting local churches and then to appreciate the local church that he has sovereignly placed you in. Secondly, I want to help each of us to understand how, according to the New Testament, the local church is supposed to function so that you'll understand why we do what we do here at Lakeside and so that each of us will understand our roles and responsibility in this body of believers. So this morning, I want to start our series by explaining to you from Scripture why the church is so important, why it should be loved by you, why it should be appreciated by you, why it should be considered precious by you. And the reason I'm beginning with this particular issue about the significance of the church is because if you don't see why the church is important, then you won't be motivated, you'll never be motivated to learn anything about the church and how it is supposed to be run and function. So we begin by looking at this one issue today, the importance of the local church, or I should say broaden that, the importance of the church, and then we'll narrow it down to the local church. But why is the church so important? And why is it so important for you to even be exposed to this? Why do do a series on this? Listen, most Christians are not well-versed in the church. I dare say that many churches never even teach on the church. So why is it important? Well, to begin with, let me be upfront with you by telling you that most Bible-believing Christians have absolutely no vital interest in their church. They really don't care about their church. Because to them, a church is just a place you go to worship on Sundays, because that's what Christians are supposed to do. But it's really no big deal. It's certainly nothing to get too excited over, because if you don't like the particular church you're attending, then at least in our culture, there are plenty to choose from, and you can just go out and shop for yourselves and go to another church. Here's the way one Bible teacher explained the attitude of many towards their church. He wrote, a high proportion of people who go to church have forgotten what it's all for. Week by week, they attend services in a special building and go through their particular time-honored routine, but give little thought to the purpose of what they're doing. The Bible talks about the bride of Christ, but the church today seems like a ragged Cinderella. It needs to reaffirm the non-negotiable essential elements that God designed for it to be committed to. And I want you to know, folks, that this very attitude of apathy about the church on the part of so many Protestants is one of the main criticisms that Roman Catholics level against us. In fact, John MacArthur tells the story of a young man who wrote to him, telling him that he was thinking about leaving Protestantism and converting to Catholicism. Because, he said, 
that Protestants don't seem to appreciate the church. Here's some of what he wrote to MacArthur. I quote, the Bible describes the church as an institution Christ founded and loves. The church is everything to Catholics. It's nothing to most of my Protestant friends. And this criticism against Protestants that they are indifferent towards the church is not something new. It's not something that's just in the recent generation. It's been around for a while. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a well-known German minister who opposed Hitler and the Nazis during World War II, he said this in one of his sermons. He said that the word church to Protestants, and I quote, has the sound of something infinitely commonplace, more or less indifferent and superfluous, that does not make their heart beat faster, something with which a sense of boredom is often associated, end of quote. So let me tell you why, when you consider the church, your hearts should beat faster. Let me give you two specific reasons why the church should be important to you. Number one, you should think highly about the church in general and your particular local church specifically, simply because, according to the Bible, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. He loves it. It is precious to him. It is his church like nothing else in this world is his. It belongs to him. It's precious to him. It ought to be precious to you. Now, there are a number of statements in the New Testament that tell us that that Christians belong to Christ. For example, Paul says you are bought with a price. You no longer are your own. You're bought with a price. Peter says you are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, but it is in Matthew 16, I'd like you to turn there, in Matthew 16, where we read that Jesus emphatically declared that the church collectively was his, in a way that nothing else is his. Matthew chapter 16, now we studied this many moons ago when we went through Matthew, but I want to remind you of this important passage. This is Peter's great confession of faith. And in Christ's response to Peter, we learn something about the church. We break in at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That is to say, who who are people saying, I am? Tell me what you're hearing. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, what they were saying is we think that they're saying you you come back to life. You were one of these men, Old Testament times, or John the Baptist, you've come back to life. You've been resurrected in the person of who you are. So he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. That's what Christ means. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven said, You're blessed, Simon, because you didn't figure this out. You didn't go to Bible school and somebody taught you this. God the Father revealed this to you. He was affirming, You're absolutely right. This is who I am. And then he said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, This is the very first time in the New Testament that the word church is mentioned. Up to this point, strictly Israel. Here we hear 
hear about the church. And although there are a number of very, very serious and important truths in this passage, what does he mean? I'll build my church on this rock, about the gates of Hades and all that. I understand that, but our purpose is not to look at that now. You can listen to the messages done on this and go back and see what those mean. But what I want you to see, the one truth I want you to see and understand is that Jesus said he would build his church, meaning that the church belongs exclusively to him. It does not belong to a pastor. It does not belong to a group of elders. It does not belong to a congregation. It is his church and his church alone. I will build my church Now, it's important to understand that the word church, in using that, Jesus was not referring to a physical building. This building is not a church. We are the church. We come to this building. We call it a chapel. We are the church. So the Lord wasn't referring to a physical building when he said church, nor was he referring to any official religious organization. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It simply means called out ones. That's all it means called out ones, it was commonly used in ancient Greek literature to speak of an assembly of people in the sense of a group of individuals called out from a larger crowd in order to assemble and gather together. It's important to understand because what we learn from this is that when Jesus refers to the church, he is talking about people, individuals that he's called out from the world, to enter into a special relationship with him in salvation. In fact, this was precisely what Jesus was referring to in the Great Commission from Matthew 28. The disciples that we are to make from all the nations of the world, they constitute the church. They constitute the church. They are called out from the world to become his church. And those disciples who comprise the church are part of Christ's church because, watch this, he chose them and set his affection upon them and personally selected them to be his church. I want you to see two important passages about this. One is Ephesians chapter 1. The, the church is not is not randomly has not randomly come together. The church is not an accident. It's made up of those chosen in him. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 say this, Just as he chose us in him, God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the world began, you were in God's mind. The church was part of his plan. Every individual who would ever be in the church was part of his plan. You were in his heart. You were in his mind. You were graven in the wounds of his hands and feet. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of of his will. Before time began, God the Father set his affection upon you and chose you. And that's why you came to faith in him. We were in his mind and heart. Just because it is called a church doesn't mean that it is actually being one. 
This called-out assembly of believers must follow the pattern that Jesus Christ established and the early church exemplified in the New Testament. We pray that you are part of a true New Testament church where these principles that Pastor Steve talked about are being practiced on a consistent basis. Don't forget to pray for your church, your leaders, and all the churches around the country and around the world. We're in a battle for truth, and not everybody is fighting the right battle. I told you earlier that Verse by Verse has some great helps that you should be taking advantage of. If you check out our website, you'll see some of these resources that are available free of charge. The website is versebyverseradio.org. If you go on the website, you can sign up for our quarterly newsletter and download any of the messages that you find there for free. You can also listen to the messages right there on the website. You can also order this message or any series of messages by calling 727-239-0306. That way you can share them with a friend or listen to them over and over. We are trusting God that many of our listeners will want to share the burden of keeping this ministry on the air. You can give a financial gift to the ministry over the phone, by mail, or through the website. We are able to be on the air because of the generous gifts of our listeners and partners. Keep praying with us that this ministry can go forward and that the truth of God's Word will continue to spread. We're really happy you joined us today. You'll want to come back next time for the second message on the church out of God's amazing and powerful word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.